gentlemen, start your engines. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, welcome to our guest segment. We're super excited to have him back with us. His new book is called Collision Course, and retired Lieutenant Colonel Robert McGinnis is with us. Good to have you back with us, Bob. Well, thanks for having me, Jim. I have to tell you, you're a really interesting guy, and I did not know everything about you uh, that I recently learned, because since you've been on now, this is, I think, your fourth time on with us. One of the interviews you did with us on on our YouTube channel, which the show goes out on a lot of different platforms, but just on YouTube, one of the shows you did with us had over 100,000 uh, views uh, so far. So people love you and they love your information, but they may not know everything about you. So I wanted to talk a little bit about your past. Uh, I did not know that you were an airborne ranger. Yeah, I went through that uh, punishment uh, in order to be prepared to be a good infantry officer where I served in four infantry divisions uh, on three different continents. Yeah, that's great. I, I just finished a book written by a guy who's a Navy SEAL who also went through the Airborne School. And so part of the book was all about what they have to go through in airborne training. So you have a new respect uh, from me. I already had the highest of respect for you, but when I found out in uh, doing some more research on you, and you're also affiliated with the uh, Family Research Council uh, for many years as well. Tell us about that. Well, I'm still uh, associated with them. I'm a senior fellow, but uh, for a decade, I rose to become the vice president for policy for the Family Research Council in Washington and and then uh, left that uh, full time uh, to return to the Pentagon where I'm now uh, working. Now, I'm holding this up for those watching us on the video feed tonight. Uh, We just started uh, doing the show by video as well as audio. So I'm holding up the new book, Collision Course. You'll see it right here. It's an incredible book and gets into so much. But one of the things that I find interesting about you, Bob, is you're not afraid to get to cross over the line into the supernatural. And I thought it was fascinating when I learned that your mother actually worked for Gene Dixon, the famous psychic, and you know all about the dark side of the world of uh, the spiritual world. Tell us about that. Well, Jim, I don't know if I know a lot about it. I, I have some personal experiences. You indicate that my mother was the personal assistant to Gene Dixon. And of course, you know, I've been in and out of Washington for over 50 years and have had the um, unfortunate opportunity to uh, deal with some of this uh, evil uh you know, satanic stuff uh, firsthand. Uh, keep in mind, you know, working in Washington, especially when I was with the Family Research Council, we were constantly under attack by a host of um, 
evil uh, people and people that uh, did not like our Christian stand on issues like homosexuality uh, or abortion or you name it, about the family, about the, the Constitution, about the United States in general. And, of course, uh, we fought back. And as a result, uh, we were constantly, and it even continues today, under uh, extreme persecution. But that's the nature uh, of telling the truth in the center of so much evil called Washington, D.C., and we should anticipate that's something that we're going to face. And that's why things like that has to be uh, coveted in prayer. We have to recognize that we're engaged in spiritual battle. And that's why when I wrote Collision Course, I wanted to show not only the Christian heritage that we had in this country uh, and the key institutions that were under attack, but also uh, the seen and unseen uh, nature of the battle that we're engaged in. And, of course, my own personal experience you know, was thrown in there because that's how I see what's going on. It's, it's a dark cloud hanging over the nation's capital, and it's all about, as far as I'm concerned, uh, the battle between Satan and God. What do you make of what's happening with uh, this whole coronavirus situation. I mean, I believe it's real. Obviously, people have died from it, thousands of people. It's a terrible thing. Um, but there seems to be some states that, uh, I mean, we've got like California announced a good month or six weeks ago that all their universities will be closed uh, all the way through January. Uh, into January, it's it's almost like they're they're hoping for the worst. It's it, do you feel like that? even though this is real, that there's a psychological operation in play on top of this crisis to sort of bring America down uh, to try to affect the election? Yes, that's exactly what's going on. I believe it's orchestrated. There's a conspiracy of sorts. Uh, just look at what, you know, COVID-19, as you indicate, Jim, is real. However, uh, the people outside that are the power wielders uh, are going after the key institutions using COVID-19 as an excuse. Now, look at government, look at education, look at family, look at church, look at economy. Each of those five areas are the key institutions I you know, address in collision course. And these people want, as most progressives do, and of course Nancy Pelosi and her ilk, uh, Schumer and the likes, uh, want big government to be the, uh, I suppose, the god of America. And so they they really present everything about uh, government as being the all-seeing, all-knowing uh, peacemaker here to a certain degree, the, the one that's going to bring the end to COVID, that's going to solve your problems. Then they go after education. They don't like what's going on, so they shut down the schools. And, you know, they're going to raise them up in a very different way. Now, uh, warning to the homeschoolers and the Christian school uh, community, uh, they'll come after them as well uh, because they're undermining you know, the public school agenda that they have. But, you know, progressives have controlled education uh, for decades, uh, arguably for the last century and a half. And then, of course, what they've done to the family and how they're tearing the family apart. And certainly what they've done to churches, shuttering the church doors and threatening pastors with 
uh, you know, incarceration and fines if they hold services. And, and so you have uh, services popping up in gambling casinos and in Walmarts and all sorts of places around the country. There, there is resistance. And then, of course, the economy. What, look what they've done to our economy. I mean, you know, it, it, is this really necessary when, you know, you have so very few uh, that tragically die from this COVID-19 compared to other diseases that have you know, been pandemics. The Spanish flu killed almost 100 million people, and it started in the United States and robbed you know, those millions. And at that time, you know, the, the population of the world was only half of what it is today. So, you know, yes, I believe COVID-19 is real, but I also believe it's being used as a tool uh, to advance not only the undermining of the key institutions of this country, but also uh, is a tool in the hands of Satan and his uh, army of demons and all those that are proxies, the media, uh, certainly these, you know, so-called medical associations that are spouting the, the you know, the, I suppose the position of the government and the, you know, and some of the advisors that the president is listening to, as well as you know, some very particular individuals that are high profile, that are pumping uh, the, the same lies into the American people, the Soros of the world, the Bloom, you know, and others. So, yes, uh, it's serious, but it is real. I am, am, am starting to think, and I'm, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on this. I'm starting to think that all of this extreme left-wing activity of uh, burning the cities, defunding police, defunding prisons, all of this kind of talk, uh, all of the things that are happening, these mayors that are allowing it to happen, that are saying to the federal uh, government, don't come in here and help us, everything is fine, as, and yet police stations are being burned down, retail stores are being burned down, now they're moving into individual neighborhoods. I'm almost thinking that this is a good thing for the conservatives for for the election, because now there's a real choice. You have you don't have uh, Trump on the one hand, a Republican, and then you have something just slightly different. You have such a an incredible market difference uh, going into this election. Uh, what are, what's your view on that? Do, do you think that this is providing Americans with a, a very big contrast in their choice? Or do you think people are just, uh, you know, looking at, at Biden a, as as their option and ignoring all of this extreme activity on the left? No, I don't see how they can ignore what's going on in Portland or Chicago or New York or you know, any of these large cities where we find anarchists that are literally uh, destroying entire city blocks or defunding the police, uh, no rational individual uh, would pursue uh, and support uh, that particular agenda. And yes, we do have a clear choice. Uh, you know, it, it is so stark uh, between what Mr. Biden is going to present as a progressive and you know, leaning even deeper left, uh, as opposed to Mr. Trump. Uh, and, and the American people, if they really want to preserve uh, the society that we've been given uh, hundreds of years ago through the, our founding fathers and the Constitution, and if they look at the Constitution, 
you know, it's the American people who truly are, were intended to be the king of this land. We're supposed to be the ones that dictate what government does. Unfortunately, things have been turned on its head. And we have progressives in Washington and, you know, who are orchestrating and or associated with those that are funding these anarchists uh, like the Antifa or the Black Lives Matter and others uh, that are tearing apart the very fabric, not only the key institutions, but uh, of the very cities and businesses that we depend upon. You know, you said in the last uh, half an hour about uh, the truckers uh, refusing to go into cities that defund police. Well, my son-in-law is a policeman, and I know uh, from his accounts exactly how dangerous the streets of America have become. And as people turn against, uh, although it's a minor, a very small number, but they turn against, you know, police and as it's fanned by the likes of the mainstream media, uh, you know, we have been presented and are being presented such a stark contrast between two candidates that I don't recall, certainly in my lifetime, and arguably at any point in the past history, even the time of Abraham Lincoln. I don't think there was a clearer choice than we have today between two candidates, one that's going to stand for law and order, another's going to stand for chaos. And then, of course, you know, as you know, I... I I'm the author of The Deeper State, and you know, I, I do believe uh, that there are powerful players, globalists out there, that have every intention of, uh, of manipulating America. And I would be watching what Davos 2021 is about to happen in January of this coming year, and how the the key players, the, the richest people in the world get together, and they really want to expand the globalist agenda. Well, if you like Biden, you like globalism, and you like big China and all the things that it's doing. Uh, these are troubling times. Um, to understand globalism, to understand the progressives, to understand what's happening in America today, it's a mural of sorts. And, and that's what I present as I've over the last uh, uh, four books, uh, as I recall, you know, I, I portrayed what uh, China is doing you know, a couple of years ago and that we were in a new Cold War. And I talk about cyber and economic issues and military issues uh, and ideological issues. And I see them all come to fruition. And, of course, the Democratic candidate, Joe Biden, supports a big China and a lot of what they're doing, as opposed to what Mr. Trump, I think, rightly is doing in, in treating them as he should as an adversary. And then, of course, I dealt with progressives and what their agenda is, starting, you know, really back into the 19th century. And you go through the likes of Theodore Roosevelt, Rock of, uh, Roosevelt. Uh, you go into Obama uh, most recently and their radical agendas, how they want to alter the five institutions that undergird this great country. And then, of course, you know, collision course. I, I, because most Americans, uh, much younger than me have gone through school and didn't get the civics that uh, they really need to understand how our founders put together our government and what that government was really based upon. Uh, so I begin and explain that. But then I explain those five institutions and then go into some detail as to how they're being undermined by uh, you know, Satan, his you know, satanic 
his army of demons and as well as the associations and the businesses and even other religious groups such as Islam and how they're very anti-Christ, as it says in First John 2. Uh, these are the types of things that, you know, unfortunately are not being taught at school. People don't appreciate uh, the depth of what has been going on for uh, arguably for decades, perhaps centuries, and what, you know, the left and those that are in the pocket of Satan and his you know, army of demons uh, have been doing and are doing. I'm fully convinced of that, given my background. And if you're just tuning in, I'm holding up the book here on the video feed. It's called Collision Course. Our guest is retired Lieutenant Colonel Robert McGinnis, and we're talking about the book and talking about what's happening. Uh, one more question about current events before I want to get into several issues on the book. Have you been surprised recently at some of the rulings, uh, in particular the way that Roberts continues to vote and also to some degree Gorsuch? Uh, it, it seems like we can't get reliable conservatives anymore onto the Supreme Court. Is your theory that these men change once they get on the Supreme Court, or is it that they uh, were never the conservatives to begin with and we misread them? No, I think we misread them. Um, you know, it, it is a a institution that often sobers, you know, whoever goes into that position. But if someone is not grounded in the first principles, is not thoroughly vetted in what our Constitution says and what the founders intended, and certainly the Federalist Papers. If they don't have that solid foundation, then they're going to venture off in you know, some of these uh, terrible directions that we've seen in recent uh, decisions. Yeah, I, I respect the fact that they have uh, they're an independent part of our government. That's what you know, our founders intended to have checks and balances. Uh, however, uh, we also, I believe, expected to have strict constitutionalists and not a court filled with ideologues. Unfortunately, the left always puts ideologues in there, and we've seen that especially with Obama and before uh, his predecessors as well. Even FDR wanted to you know, pack the court with more ideologues so that he could get what he wanted. So we face today a court uh, that uh, unfortunately is not strictly following the constitutional guidelines uh, in part because uh, Mr. Trump's team uh, either didn't vet them appropriately or they were fooled when they looked at their you know, resume of cases and couldn't discern that they're going to go in a direction that certainly is not strict in terms of interpreting the Constitution. Now, one of the big things in your book that you get into is the founding of this nation as a Christian nation. And I have to give you credit because a lot of books that go in that direction, I think they go too far, almost trying to suggest like, the U.S. should be a theocracy, that that we should have 
uh, you know, the, the, the Bible in, in the court, uh, as the, as the law and get rid of the laws and we, we use the Bible. Um, if you go that far, then people obviously realize that that's not legitimate history. But then the other extreme is that there is no place in, in the public uh, forum for Christianity, for our faith. Uh, you strike a balance there. Explain to us what you believe to be the case from history, why this is a Christian nation, and what that really means in terms of being one of those extremes or the other. Well, our founders, of course, uh, beginning in St. Augustine, and what, 1565, uh, you know, the, the southern tier of what became the United States were uh, founded by French and Spanish and therefore predominantly Catholic and missions were established. And, you know, the gospel and Roman Catholicism was promoted all the way to California in the southern part. Now, up and down the East Coast, the original British colonies, of course, with the exception of Maryland, uh, were Protestant. And the vast majority of the people that came here uh, were seeking two things. They were seeking uh, you know, the, the opportunity of self-government uh, and also religious freedom. There, there was, you know, throughout Europe, uh, during the, the, the Renaissance, uh, the, the Reformation, yeah, there was a lot of you know, Protestant Catholic uh, fighting, uh, and of course, under uh, a series of kings that I go into in Great Britain, uh, you had this strange church-state relationship in which the sovereign, uh, the king of England, was also the, you know, in charge of what the church did: you know, first Catholic, then Protestant, and then so forth. Uh, so when the people came, whether they're Puritans and pilgrims, the Congregationalists up in Massachusetts, or uh, the Anglicans that uh, James the, uh, sent to you know, into Jamestown, by the way, my own you know, ancestor, uh, Richard Pace, came there in 1620 as part of an evangelical charter from King James. So they were to spread the gospel according to Anglican you know, beliefs. And then, of course, you had Methodists, you had a bunch of Baptists that, you know, came in, you had William Penn, etc. Up and down the East Coast, predominantly Protestant. Now, our founders understood, after all the conflict they left behind, that we wanted to establish something that was not going to be so divisive. And so when they wrote the Constitution, they didn't talk about a religion as part of governance. And, of course, then the Anti-Federalists said, well, we've got to mention it. And they do, of course, in terms of the First Amendment. But if you look at the first principles, uh, which are derived directly from biblical principles and values that I outline in Collision Course, you'll see that the first principles are very self-evident throughout the Constitution. So I would argue that, yes, our Declaration, which is... Uh, very, very Christian in its, its tenor. Uh, but our Constitution is also Christian by virtue of the first principles, which were derived from biblical principles. And the founders, you know, already knew that the vast majority of the colonists at the time had uh, identified, self-identified as Christians. Now, were they evangelicals? No, not for the most part. They were, for the most part, secular Christians. 
Uh, now, we did go through a series of great awakenings, and during those times, you know, the churches were packed, but then we would go through, uh, we would wane into more of a secular temper, uh, and back and forth. It wasn't until the 1950s that we really had probably the height of church attendance in the United States, and that was because of baby boomers, uh, the end of World War II, and the growing prosperity, and, you know, a lot of uh, unabashed, you know, declaration that, you know, God was real and the country was a byproduct of a blessing from uh, our Heavenly Father, the creator of the world. So these sorts of issues. No, we were never were a, a theocracy, never intended to be. Our founders, for the most part, uh, with a few exceptions, some deists like Jefferson and Franklin and so forth, they were Christian men uh, and they did infuse into our Constitution and into the certainly the Federalist Papers Christian principles and values that undergird the five key institutions that I talk about in Collision Course. So, uh, yes, it is a Christian nation by, I would say, by definition, and I provide the context there in Collision Course. Yeah, yes, yeah, so much in there on that, and that's fantastic. Uh, one of the other things you get into in the book is the uh, destruction of the institution of marriage. And, uh, you know, Bob, I don't know where this ends because it was, you know, marriage was between a, a man and a woman. And then, of course, we had the homosexual lobby pushing for there to be uh, a civil union allowed for homosexuals. So so that has gone through. Uh, and they said that they just wanted, you know, equal rights. But but it continues to go further. We've got this recent Supreme Court ruling, which basically says that the transgenderism and all of that is now part of of the Civil Rights Act. Um, I mean, at some point, people are going to want to marry cats and dogs in their kitchen table. Uh, it just continues to go forward. Marriage meant something by its very definition, and it continues. It continues to migrate. And, you know, honestly, a lot of people are just not getting married anymore. It, it like doesn't mean anything. I, I think we've got uh, most uh, black households still uh, don't have a marriage, even though there are children. Um, the, the, the rate of divorce continues to go up. Uh, the rate of people just simply living together and not being married. Uh, what's your take on the destruction of the institution itself of marriage and what that has done to our society? Well, it's by design. Uh, I was part of the task force that wrote Don't Ask, Don't Tell at the Pentagon in uh, 1993. And I told Congress, because I did the background for most of the congressional hearings, on the agenda of the homosexual community at the time. And it was the redefinition of family and marriage, which was a key objective. And that's exactly uh, what they have targeted, not only in the courts, but in the media, uh, and, and of course, in, in every other venue uh, that has impacted us for the last 25 years. You know, it was Edward Gibbons, who was a 18th century uh, researcher. He wrote the book, uh, The History of the Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. The primary reason the Roman Empire, according to Gibson, uh, the fall of the Roman Empire was the breakdown of the family. Yeah, there were taxation issues. There, there was the, the you know, craving for pleasure, uh, massive arms buildup, but it was primarily the breakdown of the family. If you want to destroy a civilization, 
you go after that foundational institution. And that's precisely what I warned the Congress about in all the back briefs uh, back in 1993. And that's what the homosexual you know, agenda has been all about. Now, you're right about the... You know, the black family, 70%. But if you look at the tragic outcome you know, of what that means in terms of, uh, you know, out of wedlock births, you know, running away from home, crime, and so forth, what has inflicted the African-American children in this country as a direct result of the abandonment of the institution of fatherhood and motherhood and, and as it was designed, you know, we have seen you know, that devastation. Of course, it's interesting that if you were to look at the most effective family units in this country, they they happen to be uh, fairly well-to-do people that understand that the importance of maintaining mom, dad, child relationships, and, you know, really a 1950s-style type of home where dad worked outside the home, mom took care of the home front, and both of them were engaged in raising uh, their children and disciplining them. That's the sort of thing that, you know, we we have historically. But, you know, that is, of course, it's been struck. You know, we, we have a culture that goes after men. It, it preys upon them with the likes of pornography, trying to pull them away from their fathering and, and their their nurturing relationship with their wives, uh, and of course the whole institution of you know, of homosexuality is even upheld by a 19, or 2015 Supreme Court case uh, that allows this to be uh, part of our our home front. But the future, what is what I'm concerned about is. Yeah, the birth rate uh, is declining. Uh, the immigration rate is increasing. Uh, the the failure to inculcate uh, those coming into this country is making us more diverse in a very bad way in that people are not embracing the culture, the language. Uh, our borders are not being respected. All of these factors uh, contribute as well to what the family in America might look like in only a few years. And, of course, you know, you've got the vast majority of you know, about 70 percent of of mothers with children 18 and under at home uh, working outside the home. So, you know, and the father's off doing whatever. Uh, and that, of course, undermines the, the effectiveness of the home front and nurturing children. What I'm most concerned about in this whole thing, especially for Christians, is that the vast majority of Christian kids that go to secular government schools, uh, according to a number of surveys that I cite in here, they tend to abandon the Lord when they leave home and they go into adulthood, and especially when they go to uh, liberal arts college. Yeah, what do you think, Bob, Bob is uh, – I'm going to jump in and hit you with it because that's going to be my last question for you was the, the colleges – it seems like the colleges have completely gone off the rails, even those colleges that publicly claim to be Christian or evangelical 
faith-based institutions have gone off the rails into this world where we send our kids off to college and they come back literally as atheists. I mean, these are kids that are raised in the church. They go off to college. They come back as as atheists. They say, mom and dad, I know what you believe, um, but I don't really know that there's any God. I don't really have any philosophy. Um, they, they literally strip them of their spiritual upbringing in three or four years uh, at these colleges. Uh, and that, to me, is one of the scariest things uh, going forward. Well, absolutely. You know, if, if you go back to the Westminster uh, Shorter Catechism, the purpose for Christian education was to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Uh, even Harvard College said much the same, quoting the scripture out of John 17:3, uh, to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. That was what the purpose of education was. Well, unfortunately, uh, because of progressives, you know, starting not long before John Dewey uh, in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, uh, you had progressives that understood, you know, as the advisor to Theodore Roosevelt once said, what we want to do is to take children out of homes and like a, and meet them like clay into social entities. Uh, and, and that's what they're doing today. They are robbing the Christian influence that parents have desperately tried to implant in their children. And keep in mind, how long is a child in school? Nine months a year? Unless COVID-19 continues. <laughs> right. Uh, but nine months a year. You know, nine hours a day, uh, the influence of progressive anti-Christian messages, which is, you know, and I deal with this in collision course, significant. Uh, and it's a very serious issue. And Christian parents, quite frankly, that are sending their, ch their young children into the lion's den uh, of secular government schools and expecting they're going to be missionaries have got to be the height of fools, the literal fools, as it says in Proverbs, because kids, quite frankly, are not prepared to wrestle these these very significant issues in a public setting. They'll be intimidated by their peers, and they'll back down. And, and as a result, if you leave them in that lion's den for, you know, that many years, no wonder they abandon their faith when they leave. It takes a very, very unique person to, you know, to survive that and maintain their faith. And I would hope that Christian parents begin to take the scriptural mandate to rear their children to love the Lord. And I go through that. You can go back to Deuteronomy and look at the Shema, and you can look at elsewhere throughout the scriptures as to what our obligations are. And for those watching on the video feed, I'm holding the book up again here. It's called Collision Course, uh, author Lieutenant Colonel Robert McGinnis. And he has seven or eight books out. If you go to Amazon and you type in his last name, for those listening on the audio feed, the last name is spelled M-A-G-I-N-N-I-S. So if you go over to Amazon and you get to his page, it has all of his books there. And all of them are still worth reading now. I don't think there's any one of those books I would say is out of date. You shouldn't read. Uh, you should probably read all of these books. This one is almost 500 pages, extremely well documented, a whole huge section uh, of footnotes uh, in the back of the book. So it's it's a book you're not only going to want to read, but also uh, 
maybe share with a friend as well. And I know this is the time of year people start thinking about Christmas shopping and all of that kind of thing. This would be a great book. Uh, Bob, last question for you. Uh, is this the most important election of our lifetime? I know that's cliche. We say that every election. But man, oh, man, is, is this the election of our lifetime? Well, Jim, in my estimation, yes, it is um, by far. Yeah, the the choice that we have is incredibly stark. You know, if you you know want somebody in the White House that understands the economy, that understands the the true global threat posed by China, who who has been the most uh, pro life president in the history arguably the recent history of our country, uh, a man that has promoted family, uh, a man that has you know, stood by uh, and tried to put into the court system justices and judges that will uphold the Constitution. I could go on for, you know, a long time here. You know, Mr. Trump, you know, he's not perfect, but goodness, compared to, you know, Mr. Biden and, and his foibles and his terrible left-wing progressive policies, uh, I don't see how we as a nation, the type of nation that I want to live in and you know, raise my grandchildren is in, uh, could survive under a Mr. Biden. It would be tragic. Uh, now, we've, we've had some pretty bad presidents in our history, admittedly, uh, but this time it's pretty serious. Um, and that's why I would encourage every American who cares about America uh, to study our history, understand our civics, understand the choices in this world that we have. You know, read my book, Alliance of Evil. Understand the, the true threat posed by uh, China. Understand what these progressives like Nancy Pelosi want. Understand what the bankrollers like uh, George Soros, uh, who is pouring maybe $50, 60000000 million into the coffers of the Democratic Party and what he has in mind. Because you know, I've worked on issues related to him for, for decades now. These are issues of very grave importance to all of us and the future of our country. I love my country. I fought for my country, and I would hope most Americans would do the same. And, Bob, in closing, do you have a website or any other information you want to give out, any upcoming speaking events or anything you want to draw people's attention to? Well, I, I'm, I'm going to be in Defender uh, Conference that's coming up uh, in another week. Uh, it, it's virtual, like every other thing. Uh, right. I know Prophecy Watch is going to have Prophecy Watch is going to have a conference, a virtual conference. There's, uh, I know that uh, Steve Quayle uh, 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 is going to have a conference, and I'm going to be in that. Uh, I have a Facebook page, uh, R.L. McGinnis. Uh, and you can see what I put up there, some of the articles and some of the, the books and videos and the like. So those are a few opportunities if they want to look into my background and what I'm saying. And the book is Collision Course. You can get it on Amazon or over at the Defender Publishing website. Bob, it's always an honor to have you with us, sir. We hope you'll come back and visit again soon. Well, thanks a lot, Jim. Have a great day. God bless. Talk to you next time. Well, I, I love that guy. I could just sit here. <laughs> I could just sit here and listen to him and not say anything. Uh, but man, what an honor to be able to talk to this guy. A true patriot. Uh, what an intellectual. What a great mind. And uh, this is quite a book. I have to tell you, if if you're if you're a reader, uh, you want to get this book. I don't know if it's available as an audio book or not. Uh, it, if it's not, it should be. But uh, man, oh, man, this is. 
Uh, this book is going to disappear from my from my office. I think they sent me two or three copies, and I'm sure uh, my wife has probably already claimed one of these, and we probably have some uh, friends uh, that are claiming the other copies as well. But I'll tell you what, uh, he calls it as he sees it, uh, and he's not the least bit shy either of talking about this in spiritual terms, which I know, you know, a lot of people today are afraid to do that because it makes you look kind of, you know, people think, oh, well, this guy's talking about the Satan. He's talking about demons. He's talking about dark forces, all of this kind of thing. Uh, people are afraid to say that, but that's what the truth is, right? I mean, we're not fighting against physical forces. We're fighting against spiritual forces, and we've got to be able to come out and say that. And so you've got with Bob McGinnis, uh, both the intellectual side, uh, great, uh, you know, historical footnotes documenting everything he's saying, but a guy that's not afraid also to talk about this in spiritual terms. So the book really is uh, the whole package, and uh, we highly recommend it. It's called Collision Course. You can grab it on Amazon. I've seen it uh, in the bookstores locally as well. You can get it over at the Defender Publishing website or check out his Facebook page, R.L. McGinnis. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. We'll talk to you next time. So long, everybody.